You know, interestingly, in the in this in the new virtual world that we've been in over the last two years, the uh, the demand has increased tremendously. I think more people you can have more honest conversations with people that are working from home. John Sullivan with 401k Specialist, and this is the 401k Specialist Podcast. Rodney Balbuena is a bilingual 401k advisor in Southern California, who also happens to be our top advisor by participant outcomes for February. Through a combination of technology and one-on-one meetings, he's tripled employee deferral rates over the course of five years, but the emotional impact of market corrections threaten his hard work. He joins us to discuss it and more. Rodney, let's begin with the one-on-ones. How can you possibly scale something like that? Yeah, it's... It's challenging. Um, you know, I think technology is very important. Um, communicating with the HR team and get, gaining their trust and confidence is very important. Um, what I've been able to do is establish a really good relationship with my clients up front about the importance of communication. And so they can buy into that aspect. But at the same time, working with all the technology that is out there to have um, if you have a you know a client that has a high concentration of white collar workers, for example, they all have email addresses. Um, you can send them the client can send them a link where they can just ping into my schedule, and we can set up a time to talk uh, phone or virtually through, during a Zoom call. So the technology really really helps that that component a lot. Is it a lot of prodding, or do people sign right up? Yeah, you know, interestingly, in the in this in the new virtual world that we've been in over the last two years, the uh, the demand has increased tremendously. I think more people you can have more honest conversations with people that are working from home. They will schedule more time because they're at home; they don't have to be back at their desk, so to speak. And at the same time, there's more flexibility because it's no longer Rodney sitting in the lunchroom for two hours or three hours. It's let me know if this Tuesday or next Wednesday is a better time for you. So I think that. People just having more time with themselves at home has allowed them to think about other things besides just work, work, work. And now this retirement conversation is is more robust and it's more honest and it's longer. So I usually we usually have a 30 minute conversation with most of the participants. That's great. So now they're conducted in both English and Spanish and you're bilingual. And that's one of the reasons that you got into the industry, but with a major financial services carrier. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. I think. Um, the bilingual aspect was probably the most attractive component because I didn't have, you know, my finance, my financial background was limited. I was 24 years old. So uh, the fact that I, you know, I was bilingual and knew a little bit of, had a little bit of a financial background was, was helpful enough. I got a lot of training back in the day and I think that was helpful. Um, so the institution that I've worked for, I, I was kind of shadowing people for many, many weeks um, before they let me in front of clients, but they didn't have that many clients back then, right? Because, you know, the all the major carriers didn't have 40,000 clients and they weren't selling a thousand plans a year, but they did have an audience and they did have a bilingual audience that needed some sort of communication. Why move to the advisor side? Well, I realized that uh, it's easier to sell, my, sell myself as a product than it is to sell somebody else's product. Um, products vary and uh, and it was my experience when I was on the on the product side that you were a lot of your success depended on the product you were selling. There are some great salespeople out there, uh, but there are also some really great products out there, some really good institutions, and some average institutions that aren't really committed to the to the space 
And back then, a lot of vendors thought they could jump into the space and then soon figured out they weren't equipped to. And so um, it was just, I, I felt it was like luck of the draw in terms of what product you were selling. And the really strong products back then, those wholesalers weren't moving, right? They were being, they were having a lot of success selling a really good product with a lot of momentum. So there wasn't a lot of openings um, back then for the really top providers. Understood. Now, one of the things that caught our eyes is that you tripled the employee deferral rates, some of employee deferral rates over the course of five years. How do you do something like that? That took a lot of time. Coming from or? Yeah, no, I mean, that took a lot of time. Um, <laughs> if, you know, it was five years of going into their their work site. Um, and it used to be one day, but I, I extended it to two full days. So I would commit two full days, uh, but half, well, yeah, kind of full days because they had two locations within a five mile radius. And I would do one location in the morning and the other location in the afternoon. But I would spend the entire day helping them log in, understanding how to look up account balances, helping them understand their plan, helping them understand their investments. And it also coincided with a bull market. So I can't take all the credit for it, right? The fact that their statements were getting bigger and bigger every quarter because they talked to the 401k guy um, was just a a, a good uh, result for me. And it was good timing. Um, But at the same time, during those conversations, um, what these folks hadn't done yet is they, they weren't diversified well. So they had gone all in on fund A or all in on fund B or 50-50 on fund A or B, but they weren't asset allocation portfolios. So for people that are not that sophisticated on the investment side or don't have that experience, I'm a very big proponent of the asset allocation portfolios because it just gives them peace of mind. So during this week, so all of last year, I spent merging, calling in hundred numbers, helping these people get in and out of um, their individual positions and moving into asset allocation because I just figured, look, when this corrects back, I don't want these guys or these women feeling this correction of 20% on their portfolios because now we've had five years of really strong earnings um, on on the market side and growth on their statement side and a 10% or 15% correction is going to shock their system, Yeah. right? And so it was just them being open to Yes, we've had a good run. Let's take off a little. Let's take a little bit of a profit off the table. Being open to make that call to the eight hundred numbers and the eight hundred participant call center, and I would literally sit there with person after person after person calling the eight hundred number, moving them from fund A, B, and C to target date twenty thirty, repeatedly. And a lot of them are in the same age group, and they're all yeah, I'm in the twenty thirty. That's all they remembered. They were in the twenty thirty, the twenty twenty five. They weren't aware that it was a Vanguard or Tiro Price or American funds. They just knew they were in an asset allocation portfolio named after the date they planned on retiring or the year they planned on retiring. And so that that worked out really, really well because I would have gotten a lot because these folks are they're they're very reactionary and emotional about money, like I think all of us, but they're not that experienced with market corrections. And as their account balances have grown and they're in the 100000 or 200000 in some cases $300,000, $400,000 range, a 10% correction really looks like a lot of money to them. So we, we've been able to dodge that bullet quite well. I'm very happy about that outcome. So you mentioned technology, but a lot of the constituents that you have are in Southern California, a heavy immigrant population, and don't necessarily make use of technology as often as we do. How do you account for that? They all have phones. They don't all have computers, but they all have smartphones now. I think the smartphone world has really opened up the opportunity for those folks because I've, I've 
done one-on-ones. I've done, you know, I've logged into an app with them now. So now they all have a phone they can just show me. And so it does, so there's more, there's a better uh, protocol there because we can call and get them registered online. I mean, over the phone with the app, with a password, there's that two-factor authentication. They're kind of used to that stuff now. Um, and they're, when I look at their apps, they're somehow translated in Spanish and it's great, you know? So I think the technology space has done a great job with translation type tools and apps that help this community be able to have just a better understanding of just everything that's available on their phone. They don't all have computers. Most of them have email addresses, most of them, but the thing they all have is a smartphone, which is, it speaks to why Apple is Apple. You know, it's really what it does. You know, it speaks to their profits on the Apple side. Understood. So give us a case that really stands out and that you're really proud of when you really just knocked it out of the park for a plan sponsor and plan participants. Um, you know, I had a, I'll tell you one right now. I had this doctor that, um, I'll give you one case here. Doctor was, uh, 70 years old, still working, right? Doesn't want to give it up yet. Wants to work. And he had, um, two years ago, had a lot of money in a fixed account and bonds. And I said, you know, we probably, I know you're older and you put, I asked him about his life expectancy. I said, you could probably put a little, and he had money elsewhere, right? That's the other part with doctors. They got money in other places. They have a lot of wealth. So we put their money in, I think, an S&P 500 fund, something very simple. But over the last two years, it did 30%, yeah. right? And so that paid off really well for him. But at the, at the end of the year, he called me this year and he said, what do you think we should do with all this stuff happening? And I'm not a market timer, but I am sensitive to the fact that this doctor now is 75 years old, maybe now. And I'm said, you know what? We need to take a little bit off the table and, and just be more concerned with your money. Um, Sequence bond, of return. Yeah, we, we got to take that off. You're too old, you know, for us to keep, keep, keep this going. And uh, that worked out well also. So he's obviously very happy and i i always just like having conversations with him because he's he's easy going and that helps um but he's also very thankful and appreciative of the conversation we've had now a lot of this stems from and i don't think i've shared this with you before but my dad worked at a company for 30 years maybe 35 the same one a 401k and a pension plan but every time i looked at his 401k all his money was in the fixed account and, and, and that might just be who my dad is right to this day um but I just wish someone had had that conversation with him about asset allocation and diversification, even splitting it 50-50. You know, it would have just helped him tremendously. Thankfully, he has a pension, so it, it didn't impact his retirement. He's he's at home. He's comfortable. I saw him this weekend, and, and he's great. But I think about people like that that never were able to have that conversation with someone in the past about, you know, just in the old days, you just put it in something safe, and especially for the immigrant community. We just don't want to lose it, right? That's the way, kind of the way we walk into these sort of investments that we're not that sure about. From the countries that we've come from, we've seen banks collapse. We've seen markets collapse. So we don't trust financial institutions right away until you have this mo momentum in the market and you see it over the last 10 years. And then, yeah, then, then with that timing, it, it really helps a lot. But when I first started in 1994, there was still a kind of a recessionary environment we were trying to get out of. And people were a little bit reluctant across the board to jump into the stock market back then. Rodney, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but tell me about Sageview and your book of business for anybody who doesn't know. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, Sageview is great. They've, uh, they've welcomed me with open arms about seven years ago. And they basically, you know, we have... 100 and well, close to now 200 employees were in 24 states. 
all the major markets. Um, and they, they bought, they, they hired me and said, you know, grow your book responsibly. And they gave me the latitude to, to direct how that, how that worked out. So yes, they wanted me to get assets and, and get some clients right off the bat. Right. And so, but they understood they, since our owners, I can say they're kind of still in the game, so to speak. They understand that it just doesn't happen overnight. So they gave me some flexibility and timing to, to grow the book of business. But once you grow to a certain size, they really do focus on the retention of it. So it's the first in, it's the first company I've worked for where retention is equal to growth. Um, they really do care about that. They, they do realize how hard it is to to um, try to get another $50 million client or so, as opposed to losing one is just so painful. But our book spans all sizes, right? So we have clients that have, I, you know, on occasion I'll take up a startup client just because I want to help them get, get, get off the ground and get the plan going and charge them a minimal fixed account fee because I can't make any money off the percentages. It's just not, it's just not, it doesn't work mathematically to pay a broker 1% with zero assets, right? So you have to just charge them a fixed fee and say, can you swing it? If you can't swing it, I understand. I'll help you up until the point, up to up until point X. And then I have to, you know, kind of step away. Um, and then we also have some large hundred, hundred million dollar clients and my largest clients close to a billion dollars. But uh, we, we try to treat them all the same. Um, and it, it's hard to do that sometimes, but we just try to do that as best we can. But they love the fact that we care about it. They love the fact that I do so much of this participant work because it does buy a certain amount of, of trust and loyalty with our client and with our brand as well. Understood. Rodney Bell, why not? That's exactly what we needed. Thank you so much for joining us. I do appreciate it. Thank you, uh, John. Great job. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it.